Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Wednesday, December 21st, and we start, as always, with local news. We have sad news this morning. Emily Goodwin, the 33-year-old woman who is reported missing since last week, was found yesterday, deceased. Near the location, her car was found on Bear Creek Pike near Faith Fellowship Church, according to the Columbia Police Department. Emily was reported missing by the Columbia Police on December 16th. It was reported that Goodwin had made several concerning statements to family prior to being reported missing. The next day, her vehicle was found abandoned in the 900 block area of Bear Creek Pike, unlocked with her keys and phone inside. According to video footage from the church, Goodwin left her car in the parking lot of Faith Fellowship Church around 4.45 p.m., 1.2 miles away from her home. Kristen Burrell, a family friend of Goodwin, said she stayed in her car for at least 30 minutes. Yesterday afternoon, her body was found near the location of the church. An investigation is ongoing. For nearly 20 years, Murray County Reserve Deputy Brad Miller served his community purely as a volunteer. While trying to direct traffic around a construction zone a week ago Monday, his patrol car was hit by another driver. He died as a result. He was 68. Now the community he loved is trying to show his family the same level of support. It's devastating, said Craig Eilerman, owner of Flag World in Columbia. We just have to pray for everyone involved and their families. That's all we can do, he said. When something tragic hits a community like this, it feels like there really are no words. That's why Eilerman would show his support. He hung a thin blue line flag in front of his business as soon as he heard the news. It's a memorial flag. We're honoring that particular officer, he said. This is kind of our little message that we support our police We have always supported our police, he said. All over town, there were also flags at half-staff showing full support of Miller. Make no mistake, he would have loved to have gone home to his loving wife Kathy and his family, but it was in his DNA to put himself in that position, to position himself to fill that gap, said Murray County Sheriff Bucky Rowland. While Deputy Miller didn't make it home, Rowland says his sacrifice ensured other people did. Three of those workers on that scene yesterday, they said, had Deputy Miller not been positioned where he was, they would have undoubtedly been struck and killed by the oncoming vehicle, said Rowland. Miller moved from up north down to Murray County three decades ago for the same reason a lot of people have, to work for General Motors in Spring Hill. Sheriff Rowland told reporters that Miller never lost his Michigan accent, but was the perfect addition to this community. He would light up a room, he would lighten the mood, said Sheriff Rowland. Miller served as a volunteer for the department just shy of 20 years, which is why his brothers in blue didn't hesitate to volunteer themselves to escort the reserve deputy as he began his final journey following the accident on Monday night. It was a powerful reminder that symbols of support can truly say it all. When trying to find the right words, just won't do it justice. We support them to the hilt, said Eilerman. Words can't express, said Sheriff Rowland, fighting back tears. You just love one another, he said. Eilerman will offer thin blue line flags at a discount at his store Flag World for anyone looking to honor Deputy Miller. As for the other driver who hit Miller, the Tennessee Highway Patrol says the investigation is still ongoing and a decision hasn't been made on whether that driver will face charges.
Tennessee Governor Bill Lee, Department of Economic and Community Development Commissioner Stuart McWhorter, and Summertown Metals LLC officials announced yesterday the company will invest $11 million to expand its manufacturing and distribution operations in Lewis County. With existing operations in Summertown, Summertown Metals will expand by constructing a new facility in Lewis County Industrial Park, which will house its headquarters and additional manufacturing and distribution operations. As a result of the project, the company will create 197 new jobs in Hohenwald. By adding the Hohenwald location, Summertown Metals will be able to grow its manufacturing and product offerings to include the building and distribution of wood and steel trusses, as well as garage door production and installation. Construction began in the fall of 2022 and is anticipated to be complete in the first quarter of 2023. Founded in Summertown in 2006, Summertown Metals LLC is a Tennessee-based company that has expanded from a single-building materials supplier into a quality, custom-building materials distributor. With the addition of nearly 200 new jobs, Summertown Metals will employ almost 400 people across its two Tennessee facilities. Since 2018, Tennessee's economic and community development has supported nearly 60 economic development projects in the southern Middle Tennessee region, resulting in nearly 8,300 job commitments and $5.6 billion in capital investment. Tennessee's skilled workforce and strong business climate ensure that companies like Summertown Metals can thrive. I thank this company for its decision to expand operations in our state and create nearly 200 jobs for Tennesseans in Lewis County, said Governor Bill Lee. With more than $26 billion exported in manufacturing goods annually, it is clear that the manufacturing sector is thriving in Tennessee. We are proud that Summertown Metals has chosen to expand its footprint into Lewis County and thank this company for its continued commitment to Southern Middle Tennessee, said Tennessee Economic and Community Development Commissioner Stuart McWhorter. Columbia State Community College's Prior Art Gallery will feature a family and sports event with the Art of the Buzz exhibit in conjunction with Chris LeMay's National Electric Football Game Museum in Spring Hill. The exhibit will be open to the public from January 9th until March 3rd. When Chris LeMay, president and treasurer of the National Electric Football Game Museum, visited the Prior Art Gallery and told me about his museum, my eyes opened wide and I said, I remember playing that with my older brother in the 1970s, stated Lisa Hoffman, prior art gallery curator. This began a wonderful collaboration to bring this nostalgic yet contemporary game's history to prior art gallery as LeMay's introductory exhibition at the National Electric Football Game Museum, she said. The National Electric Football Game Museum is a 501c3 nonprofit organization with the specific purpose of educating the public about the game of electric football. The electric football game was invented by Norman Sass in 1948, and in 1967 he signed a deal with the National Football League to include names of players and team colors on the tiny plastic figures. More than 40 million games have sold. Art of the Buzz will exhibit vintage and collectible games by Tudor and Gotham, the early history of the game, current Tudor games, the electric football community, national tournaments, and even have a Titans, Oilers, and Cats section. The art of electric football is a serious matter for many artists who spend hours customizing NFL teams and players throughout the football throughout football history. The exhibit will feature the works of Kerry Wu, a Season 3 Lego Masters contestant and Nashville photographer who has worked for Google and other clients creating 360 virtual tours. 
Wu's architectural photography business translated to Lego competitions, and he won three first-place categories at the Nashville Public Library's 10th annual Lego contest. His creations include a Nashville cityscape to include the Batman building, 505 Nashville building, and a football stadium, which will be on display for the Art of the Buzz exhibition. Ron Mango, an artist and solitaire coach from Murfreesboro, will also be featured. Mango began playing electric football at the age of 12 in 1977 with three teams, the Chiefs, Browns, and Packers. Since then, he has continued to play a solitaire league that is in its 87th season with all 32 NFL teams. He completely hand-paints all his teams, the helmet logos, uniform stripes, and numerals, also included as Eddie George's football uniform he wore during the last game as the Tennessee Oilers from the Pro Football Hall of Fame Museum in Canton, Ohio, and hand-painted electric football figure Heisman winners from Glenn Mischo, project coordinator at EF Heisman Project in Charleston, South Carolina. The opening reception, which is free and open to the public, will be January 19th from 5 to 7 p.m. Featured artist Wu will be speaking about the Lego football stadium he built for the museum. There will also be an artist demonstration by Mango, highlighting the art involved in hand-painting the football figures. Children will have the opportunity to play electric football games. Participants in the tournament can create a team to play, and the winner will receive an electric football game from Tudor Games, as well as a custom trophy created by the National Electric Football Game Museum. The buzz around this game has been resonant with gallery guests, faculty, employees, and students, Hoffman said. This game is a part of Americana, and many of us remember opening it at Christmas or playing it during football season with our parents, cousins, and siblings. The art of the buzz lives on in the artistry and community of those who caught the electric football game fever, she said. The exhibit is free and open to the public. The prior art gallery is in the Wayman L. Hickman building on the Columbia campus, located at 1665 Hampshire Pike, and is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. For additional information about this exhibit, you can visit www.columbiastate.edu forward slash prior gallery. The City of Spring Hills Board of Mayor and Aldermen voted unanimously Monday evening to update the pay scale for shift-based fire department staff who work at least 2,756 hours annually. The resulting increases go into effect during the pay period beginning January 7th and apply to 57 frontline firefighters. The City Administrator's Office, Human Resources Department, and the Fire Department reviewed pay levels at fire departments across Tennessee and confirmed Spring Hill firefighters' pay is below that of many comparable agencies. Spring Hill's elected leaders had been discussing raising wages for some time to improve the ability of the Fire Department to recruit and retain trained firefighters. The firefighter pay increases will aid in the recruitment and retention of qualified firefighters, said Fire Chief Greg. We know to narrow the firefighter pay gap between our city and surrounding cities and departments. We need to, he said. The funding for the proposed increase will be added to the fiscal year 22-23 budget amendment package for the fire department to fund salaries through the end of the fiscal year. The total cost of the increases amounts to $156,301. The Columbia State Community College Office of Workforce and Continuing Education hosted a pre-apprentice Lineworker Academy mini-rodeo that allowed students to demonstrate the skills they learned during the seven-week program. I cannot say enough good things about this program, 
said Melody Murphy, Columbia State Workforce and Continuing Education Director. It provides a great opportunity for participants and has provided us with wonderful partnerships throughout Middle Tennessee. We are grateful for the utilities and municipalities that contributed to this program's implementation and those that partner with it to make it a continued success, she said. Upon completion of the program, the students received a Tennessee Valley Public Power Association climbing certification, first aid and CPR certifications, 10-hour safety card, and flagging certification. In addition, the students are prepared to sit for a commercial driver's license. During the mini-rodeo, students competed in different activities, including the 80-foot pole climb, bell change, and switch transfer. In the first activity, students climb up and down an 80-foot pole, which is a necessary part of the TVPPA Climbing Lab certification. In this activity, Jaden Coffin from Mount Juliet came in first place, Samuel Trout from Columbia came in second place, and William Johnson from Arrington came in third place. The bell change and switch transfer are activities linemen do in the field as a result of lightning, loose connections, or replacement of aging materials to maintain electricity for those in the service area. In the bell change, students climb a 40-foot pole and change out the bell that holds the line to the pole. In this activity, William Johnson came in first place, Bryson Dozier from Lebanon came in second place, and Jaden Coffin came in third place. In the switch transfer, students climb a 40-foot pole to change out the switch attached to the crossarm of the pole. In this activity, William Johnson came in first place, Alex Smith from McMinnville came in second place, and Jaden Coffin came in third. In the overall rodeo, William Johnson came in first place, Jaden Coffin came in second, and Bryson Dozier came in third. In addition to his performance in the rodeo, Jaden Coffin was presented with the Pre-Apprentice Line Worker Academy Outstanding Student Award. The Pre-Apprentice Line Worker Program is a result of communities from across Middle Tennessee coming together to fill a need in the workforce. For more information about the program, you can visit www.columbiastate.edu forward slash lineworker. An upcoming cohort is scheduled for March of 2023. All individuals interested in the program should register through the link and it will be will place them on a wait list for future classes. The City of Columbia has been awarded a Community Development Block Grant, or a CDBG, by the Tennessee Economic and Community Development Department in the amount of $630,000. Columbia is one of 47 municipalities that will share in $27.3 million in CDBG used to help fund sidewalk improvements on East 8th Street and South High Street, which are main pedestrian arteries. Improvements include replacing the existing sidewalks on the south side of East 8th Street and repairs to the sidewalks on both sides of High Street in order to improve pedestrian flow and meet ADA standards. All surrounding neighborhoods will be able to link to the improved sidewalks and have much better access to the downtown district. Residents will have better access to the transportation shelters, which in turn gives them access to the city as a whole. We are very excited to announce today the City of Columbia has been awarded a $630,000 CDBG grant, said Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder. These monies will be spent replacing sidewalks on East 8th Street and repairing them on South High Street. The East 8th Street project is the first step towards a streetscape project for this historic section of Columbia, and the South High Street project will help us in our efforts to enhance the Columbia Arts District, he said. The national objective addressed by this project is to serve low to moderate income people. The sidewalk improvements will enhance the connectivity of predominantly low income minority neighborhoods to the downtown district. Additionally, the improvements will enhance safety, accessibility, and promote good health. 
The total estimated cost of this project is $830,150. The City of Columbia is investing $200,150 from the budget to help fund the sidewalk improvements and represents a 17% match rate needed to receive the grant funds. Columbia Police Department's Lieutenant Jeff Duncan was inspired as a young boy to help others when he observed his father, also a Columbia police officer, deliver gifts and goods to families in need each Christmas. He'd load up the truck and I'd ride with him to make the deliveries, Duncan said. Because of that experience, seeing his father devote time and effort to helping others, Duncan wanted to do the same for those in the community experiencing difficult times. Hence, Shop with a Cop was born many years ago, as an annual event at the Columbia Police Department. This year marks the 20th year the department has participated in the program under Duncan's leadership, funding through an annual pancake breakfast and other donations. Last week, police officers rolled carts down aisles at Walmart, helping approximately 20 children shop for Christmas gifts to go under the tree for their family. Kiwanis Club of Columbia volunteers helped wrap the gifts for each child as part of the program. This year was very special, Duncan said. We have some children who are dealing with losses in the family, and seeing the kids loving the experience and watching them have fun makes it all worth it, he said. After the shopping spree, children happily enjoyed a pizza party and watched the Grinch back at the Columbia Police Department with the officers. We're able to relate and connect to the kids in a different light than we do throughout the rest of the year, Duncan said. A lot of times children are coming in contact with officers during unforeseen circumstances during the year. But this way, they get to see us in a different setting and make make more of a personal connection, he said. Duncan says the event at the end of each year makes the work officers do throughout the year that much more meaningful by giving the department a chance to give back to families in meaningful ways, especially in bringing more cheer at Christmas. And now your hometown memorial, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Jack Thomas Chisholm Jr., 64, field engineer for AT&T, died Sunday, December 18th at his residence in Columbia. A memorial service will be conducted for Mr. Chisholm on Wednesday today at 3 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home with Reverend Tony Brown officiating. The family will visit with friends on Wednesday from 2 p.m. until service time at the funeral home. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer. And why the way you feel has always been so important to Susie and Tony Sowell. When people come here, I hope they feel like they're working with a person who's just like family. And by the time they leave here, I hope they feel like they're a part of our family. What I like most is when a family is leaving, they can say thanks. You made something we thought would be hard easier than we thought it would be. Not that we made it easy, we made it easier. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors. 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern middle Tennessee weather, we will have a mix of clouds and sun, then becoming more cloudy late in the day. The high will reach 53 degrees with light and variable winds. 
Tonight, we can expect cloudy skies with a slight chance of a rain shower. The low will be 41, with winds out of the south-southeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter. Like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello friends, this is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. Thank you seems appropriate for this time of year. At Tennessee Children's Home, we have even more to be thankful for this year. We have a new campus and have moved in. We've been overwhelmed by the support you have given us to the move to the new campus. Please continue to support us as we try to pay off this debt. Please go to our website, TennesseeChildrensHome.org, for more information. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. We're known for a lot of great things here in Tennessee, but there's one thing we've got to fix now. Too often, criminals use stolen guns and violent crimes. I'm TBI Director David Rash. Help us prevent gun thefts. When you're not carrying, secure your guns, not only at home, but also in your car. Secure it. Lock it. Help stop it. Take the extra step. Together, we can keep Tennessee safe. Brought to you by the TBI, Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Funded under an agreement with the State of Tennessee Department of Finance and Administration Office of Criminal Justice Programs. Supported by Award 2020 MUBX0051. Awarded by the Bureau of Justice Assistance, Office of Justice Programs, USDOJ. Three, two, one.
Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Federal officials may plan to transport some migrants to Tennessee amid an ongoing legal battle over immigration policy, according to a statement released by Governor Bill Lee on Tuesday. Lee's office said Tennessee was notified on Monday afternoon by President Joe Biden's administration that multiple busloads of single adult detainees from ICE facilities in New Orleans might be moved to Tennessee as soon as this week. The news comes as part of Biden's plan to revise federal immigration policy, including pandemic-era programs like Title 42, the contentious public health immigration policy that stands in limbo after the U.S. Supreme Court on Monday granted a stay on its repeal. Tennessee joined the emergency 19-state appeal Monday to the high court after an appeals court moved to overturn the pandemic-era Title 42 immigration policy earlier in the day. Biden has pushed since April to end the policy, which allows Customs and Border Protection officials to expel migrants over concerns about public health risks without the usual legal reviews. The policy ended up in court unexpectedly after a Washington, D.C. district judge ruled last month it violated federal law and should be ended almost immediately. Lee, joined by U.S. Senators Marsha Blackburn and Bill Haggerty, characterized the plan as a threat to the safety of Tennesseans, alleging it would accompany a rise in illegal border crossings and crime. It's not compassionate to perpetuate a problem that leads to more exploitation and trafficking, Lee's statement said. This crisis is too big to ignore, and the only way to stop it is to secure the border. Placing the burden on states is not a solution, and we should not bear the brunt of the federal government's failures, he said. Chief Justice John Roberts ordered the Biden administration to respond to the appeal from the states by 5 p.m. yesterday, a notable speed in the court known for lengthy deliberation. Roberts's single-page order came as Republican officials have ramped up criticism of the decision to end the Trump-era policy, both in court filings and public statements. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, a Republican, warned of total chaos if the policy is lifted. 19 conservative states, including Tennessee, have argued that ending the policy would inflict massive irreparable harms on the states and unprecedented calamity at the southern border. Blackburn repeated a common phrase of her tenure, every state is a border state and every town is a border town, in Tuesday's joint statement. I will be utilizing all possible options to stop President Biden from trafficking illegal migrants into our state, she said. Tennesseans will not stand for this flagrant abuse of law and order, she said. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. 
And now our final story. One of the most well-known food reviewers is finally spilling his secrets on where some of the best eateries are located across the United States. Known for his spiked hair and sunglasses, many food lovers have put their trust in Guy Fieri's opinions when it comes to learning about the best diners, drive-ins, and dive bars to indulge in a good meal. Fieri is no stranger to good food and has the expertise to prove it. It is estimated that Fieri visited over 1,200 restaurants in his popular Food Network television show, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, that filmed nearly 40 seasons and focused on finding the best local food spots in various areas of the country. After reviewing thousands of restaurants, Mashed, a multi-platform publication for food lovers, went across the map and compiled a list of Fieri's favorite food destinations in each state. According to Mashed, Fieri's favorite place to eat in Tennessee is, La- is Mastacos Por Favor. Located in the heart of East Nashville lies the restaurant that has been serving up tacos and more since the 1970s. The go-to dish at the Mexican restaurant is the tamales, with Fieri even calling them one of the best I've ever had. If you're in the mood for tacos, Fieri suggests to try going vegetarian and ask for the quinoa and sweet potato taco, calling the item delicious, creative, and hearty. Mas Tacos Por Favor is located, is, I'm sorry, is open from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. and located at 732 McFerrin Avenue in East Nashville. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM, WKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.